Welcome back to Be A Better Baddie. This is the podcast where women can embrace their true power, increase their confidence, and live their best lives. My name is Quanisha, and I am your host, coach, teacher, and fellow baddie. If you're ready to become the best version of yourself, welcome. Alrighty, everyone, welcome back to another episode of Be A Better Baddie. I have been talking a lot about my rebrand. And in case you didn't know, I am in my heart launch era. So I'm in step four where I encourage you to start talking about the things with everyone. And all of the baddies should know what I'm up to because I'm sure all of the baddies are in this process as well. So if you wanted to learn about the four steps, definitely go back and listen to that episode about how to do a personal rebrand. Um, Came out a couple of weeks ago. So that'll give you the full layout of how to do it. And if you go on my Instagram as well, at Be A Better Baddie, you will see plenty of graphics about how to do so as well. So today I want to talk about self-care practices that I've incorporated into my life that have elevated my life. And when we are talking about self-care, we're not necessarily just talking about the superficial, even though that is very exciting. I will not sit here and lie to you. That's exciting. But it's not the whole story. So Today, we're going to spend a little time talking about 10 things, a lot of time, talking about 10 self-care practices that have elevated my life. So if you are interested, if you're excited, do make sure you grab a pen, pencil, whatever you need to write on. And let's jump into today's topic. So number one will be consume better quality products. What you eat in private will show up in public, whether that is through your skin, your weight, your teeth, your mood, your mental clarity, your nails, literally everything you can think of, what you eat affects that. So when I say consume higher quality foods, I don't mean I started breaking the bank to buy organic, gluten-free, vegan Cheetos, right? I mean, I'm talking about consuming more fruits, more veggies more whole grains and more lean proteins and with that less processed foods. Now you're probably saying, Quanisha, how was this life changing? It is, I'm telling you. The way my mood is so much better with cutting out processed foods is crazy. Like when you eat like junk, you feel like junk. And sometimes it's also the opposite. Sometimes you feel like junk, so you do eat junk. There was a point a couple of days ago, I heard some really bad news and it really got me in a bad mood. And I just wanted to eat junk because that is what I was feeling like. Right. But then I decided, oh, I'm actually feeling like crap as I keep eating more junk. So then I went back to eating my better quality foods, my high quality foods. I know I always talk so much about how my life has changed from for me since I've started working from home, but it is so true. In the office I worked in, there were always so many snacks. And no matter how hard I tried, I would always end up with one, whether it's a trail mix or a little bag of chips. Just like I would always just have a snack. So now that I'm home, I'm in control of what food is in my office. I don't consume those anymore. And I can say that I think it has contributed to me feeling better. Now, I'm not going to say... I don't eat any treats at all because that is a lie because I I do put some treats in my shopping cart. Like who doesn't? Because I still love sweets. 
So I don't want this to sound like I am the holy queen that eats clean all the time. Like, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying I'm I'm trying to make better choices with what I consume. And through that, I feel better. Also, eating cleaner, better quality foods, I notice I don't feel as bloated all the time now. Before my food upgrade, I always felt like this constant pressure in my body, like I felt puffy. And I feel like I don't have to explain to you guys why not feeling bloated and puffy anymore is good. This is the only body we have. This is the only body you will be blessed with. You cannot go exchange it for another one or go upgrade your organs or anything like that, right? So really thinking about it that way, making sure I feed the body that I have right now the right way is most important to me. I really do like the rule of if you don't understand the ingredients in something, then don't eat it. So I just try to apply that to my life as much as possible when I'm in the grocery store to simplify this process of eating high quality foods, because I think it can get very complicated when you are going for those foods that are branded as healthy, because those things have a lot. If you look at the ingredients, those things are loaded with so many different artificial ingredients. So I don't know. That's the first thing. So eating cleaner food, better quality food. Number two, this self-care practice that has elevated my life is journaling. So whatever you want to journal about, it is so good to release those thoughts that are circling around in your head. I use various journaling methods because honestly, I get bored doing the same thing and I need to process different thoughts differently. So my primary way of journaling now is my baddie goal grid. If you don't know what the baddie goal grid is, it is pinned on my Instagram at be a better baddie. And it's basically my way of planning and prioritizing for the day and then reflecting on my progress with those things. So baddie goal grid is there. I do do gratitude journaling occasionally. I don't do it necessarily every day, but just to sit down and write the things I'm grateful for. That's also very helpful. Um, and then stream of consciousness. So really writing out my thoughts, just flowing until I can't anymore. And I really use this when I am going through something, I'm processing something, something happened, and I just need to write it out because writing it out is helping me process what happened and decide what I should do next or any possible next steps. All three types of journaling definitely serve some purpose at some point. Another distinction I would want to make is I also have a work journal and a personal journal because I kind of do journaling for each, right? So I will, while I'm in a call, if something makes me feel some kind of way, I would just write it down. Literally, I have just things that happen and then I'll put like a facial expression next to it and then kind of build upon it. Like my work journal also has a bit of my feelings in it as well, as well as my to-do list. Journaling elevated my life basically by making sure that I plan, prioritize, reflect, process, and dream. Definitely, we're going to talk about dreaming later, but being able to put my life and my feelings into order is self-care in, in itself. The third self-care practice that elevated my life is assuming the best in people. So have you ever seen a movie or maybe you even know somebody? This person is always assuming the best. Like they assume life will do no harm to them. 
They assume everyone around them has the best intent. And I feel like most of the time, those people are happily living in bliss. And I'm not going to lie. I want to start embracing more of that bliss because it is hard enough living in this world with everything going on that you actually see the bad things. But to also put bad things in your head on purpose, that's stressful. It's stressful to feel like people are out to get you and they don't want the good for you. So I feel like what you put into the universe is what you receive. So putting good energy into the relationships around you in turn will give you good relationships. I feel like that that has to happen, right? When you assume the best in others, you're choosing a positive and a less stressful mindset. So the way that this is connected to self-care is one, you're reducing your stress. When you assume the best in people, you expect these positive outcomes from interactions, you're less likely to dwell on your negative thoughts and emotions. I think this can also improve your relationship. So giving people the benefit of the doubt, you're more likely to build and maintain positive relationships, which I think can obviously have built more fulfilling connections with them. Third, I think that it also will contribute to a positive self-perception. So you believing other people can do good makes you believe that you are good and you do good as well. So it's sort of like, I guess it is. What you put out is what you believe. So if you believe that people are bad, you believe that you are bad. If you believe people are good, they have good intentions. That is because you are good and you have good intentions. So this one I've started incorporating and it's really hard to get away from the I don't trust people mindset, but I think it's so worth it to just try to release a little bit. I think it's also related to control. Like you can't control everything and everyone around you. So just releasing some of the fear and the expectations really, really helps you. Number four is learning new things. So learning does not only happen in school. You can learn anywhere. You can take an online course. You can read a book. You can go to a virtual event or go to a seminar. There are just so many different learning avenues out there for you to not be learning something new. Or you can just do the thing, right? When you learn things, you're you're mentally stimulating yourself. So learning stimulates your brain and keeps it active. And this is going to help you to prevent that mental stagnation. I don't know if it's just me. My brain needs to be working. When my brain's not working, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, this is it? This is it? Like, this brain needs things to do. So I'm always trying to learn new things or try new activities, um, trying to get better at things. Learning new things also is going to boost your self-esteem. So when you gain new knowledge and skills, it can give you this sense of achievement and mastery. Like, whoa, look at this. I learned how to do this. So when I think about like Duolingo or any other like language learning app, like they give you rewards throughout the process because you've achieved something, you've mastered a certain level of the language. All of those things really do matter. And I want to add that learning new things 
doesn't need to be in the traditional sense of like enhancing your soft skills or expanding your knowledge, like reading more about chemistry or learning how to talk to people, right? It can be those things, but it can also be like practical things like learning a new sport or learning a new language, like I mentioned earlier, or like knitting. It can be literally anything, anything that you don't know and you work through the process of learning how to do it and challenging yourself, your brain is going to like that. Your brain is going to say, hey, let's grow. Hey, we can do anything. And you want your brain to think that it can continue to grow and continue to learn new things and continue to get that workout in. And you're also fine off dementia and changing your brain chemistry by learning something new. So I advocate for learning new things. Right now, I'm learning how to still play tennis. I think I will be learning how to play tennis for at least the next two years (laughs) because I'm just not naturally a sports girl. Like I'm not, like I don't have, I, what is it? I hand coordination. Like when the ball comes to me, I'm completely lost. I'm still afraid of the ball as well. Let's start there. So I really do want to learn the sport. I do know my weak areas and I'm still going to work through them because I want to learn. So that is number four. Number five is being disciplined. And I think being disciplined is kind of like the overall encompassing like theme of all of these self-care practices. Practices because without discipline, you won't push yourself to learn anything new, right? You won't... um journal you won't buy those better quality foods so discipline is in the middle and it's because you need to keep it in mind as you are going through this process so by developing discipline you're creating routines and setting goals for yourself and I think at the root of it having discipline means doing the hard things and the hard things are usually the things that are good for you you know In my experience, the satisfaction you feel from practicing discipline majorly outweighs the comfort you feel from doing the easy thing. I was talking to a friend the other day, and she was talking about how her childhood didn't necessarily prepare her for adulthood and the discipline that she needs to navigate adulthood. I say that to say this. It is hard to develop discipline as an adult. Because you don't have anyone to make you do the hard things and someone with the foresight knowledge of why doing the hard things are good for you. So we no longer have that parent figure that does the parenting. You don't get punished for doing the wrong thing anymore. And so if left up to us, we'd rather do the comfortable thing because it doesn't challenge us and it's not uncomfortable. So I want to just talk about how you can develop discipline as an adult because I know it's not easy for me to just say that especially if it's not already a part of who you are but I do want to talk about like little things you can start to incorporate to develop discipline and I want to use the example of maybe managing your money right managing your finances so someone who likes discipline and would like to develop discipline especially in the financial realm they would, one, start with their motivation. So 
If I lack the discipline to manage my money correctly, finding my motivation could help me. Why do I need to get my money under control? Am I spending too much? Am I not putting my money in the right places? Am I not preparing for retirement? Is there a savings goal I have? Do I need to help a family member? Do I want to have a big birthday party that I need to save money for? Think about what your motivation is, why you actually want to start building discipline around this particular thing. And if a reason for yourself doesn't motivate you enough, think about how others could drive your motivation. So maybe if you're a parent, you want to learn how to manage your money better because you want to be able to provide for your children or you want to be able to pay for your child's college education. Just different ways to kind of motivate you to get started in something you can always think back on when you're through the process to continue pushing you because at some point, that initial like motivation is going to fade away. So what could you always look back to to say, this is why I want to do this? So really ground yourself in the purpose of developing this discipline in this particular area. The second thing I would recommend is to start small. So if I don't manage my money well and I am completely lost, I need to start small. I don't need to go into having these full hour-long money meetings with myself, right? If I'm intimidated by looking at my bank account and what I spend, a small action could just be turning on my alerts so I get a text whenever I spend a certain amount or if my checking account is below a certain amount. This way I can now be aware of it. I've been I've been alerted because sometimes when, when you swipe your card, I feel like this is turned into a financial episode. Sometimes when you swipe your card, like it doesn't process, but maybe I get this text message and I'm like, oh, this is how much I spent. Or you just don't know, you know, how much you're spending and you get that alert. You're like, oh, I have no money. So that's one small step you can take because one, it's very passive, but it's kind of alerting you. Another small action may be asking for paper receipts so you can save them and then calculate how much you spent in a certain time frame. Of course, you can look online. I just recommended that because I like tactile things. But the purpose of this is to start small. No need to go into the full-fledged practice yet. And number three is to work in intervals. So I use intervals when I'm working out. You you call it HIT interval training, whatever. But it's the same concept. You don't need to go hard for one hour straight, right? So with interval training, when you're working out, you go hard for 30 seconds, you take a 30-second break. You go hard for 30 seconds, you take a 30-second break. So with baby girl who's working on her finances, she can... Well, she's setting up her savings plan now, let's say. And if it's stressing her out so much, she can do it for five minutes, take a 10-minute break to process, then continue working into working in intervals until her stamina's built, until she feels more comfortable. It doesn't stress her out as much because building discipline is stressful because you're putting stress on your body. You're making it do something that it essentially doesn't really want to do. Your brain's already saying, yo, this this is hard. Are you crazy? And you're saying, yes, brain, I know, but let's push through. So three things for you to kind of develop discipline just to resummarize them, because I know there was a bunch of details in between. Find your motivation, start small, work in intervals. So hopefully one of those techniques will help my baddies out there get it out the mud. I feel like I could do a full episode on this. There are co- all, through all of these, honestly, I feel like I can do full episodes. So if you hear something, you're like, I want you to dive deeper into that. Let me know. DM me at Be A Better Baddie 
Or you can email me if you're email baddie. Number six is regular exercise. Now, exercise does not need to be the strenuous thing. You can walk. You can do a stretching YouTube video. You can dance. You can skate. You can play a sport. I think the biggest thing I've learned moving into my 30s is exercise is not limited to the four walls of the gym. I used to really believe that if I'm not in the gym, it didn't count. But that's not true. That's not true. So if you have that in your mind, it's not true, sis. Exercise can happen anywhere. You can make anything exercise. So regular exercise is definitely one of the self-care practices that has elevated my life. And that is because exercise does so much for the body. It makes you feel better. There's never been a time after a workout I felt bad or I regretted working out. Now, going into the gym or going into a workout, am I kind of like, I don't want to do this? Yeah, yes. But afterwards, it feels amazing. Secondly, my stress levels decrease. And then last, of course, I'm working on my fitness. Like who doesn't want to be fine? Because I know I do want to be fine. So for my baddies who don't have a consistent workout routine, this is also a good way for you to build discipline. So thinking about the things I named earlier about how to start discipline, you you think of small ways to like get into it, right? So you can start by going to the gym with a friend. You can start with a YouTube video. You can start working out at home. You can start with walking. Like there are so many entryways to doing it that if you are able to exercise, there's no reason for you not to exercise. And I think it starts with getting the idea out of your head that exercise has to happen in a gym. Because if it's a thing where you don't have time to go to the gym or you can't afford to go to the gym, that doesn't really matter because you can still work out. Now we're going to move on to number seven, solo time. I feel like incorporating solo time into my schedule is definitely my default and not something I necessarily have to force myself to do. But I love just solo time with myself because it allows me to reflect on things and like really sit and confirm, get to know myself, confirm things about myself as well. So when people hear solo time, they may think of like literally sitting there meditating. But when I say solo time, I mean Literally any activity that is done by yourself. So reading, working out, traveling, any activity that you do by yourself that you would typically do with people. Because sometimes people are a lot of noise. Your mom, your brother, your sister, your best, best friend. Sometimes they are just noise when you're doing things. And it's kind of like, oh, let me actually sit and do this myself. Because maybe, I mean, anything could come to you at that point. Because... That personally is my favorite way to like kind of meditate and set intentions by doing things because sitting still, I haven't mastered that yet. So like washing dishes, just that solo time, it helps me. So when I say solo time, I mean like you could be at home all the time, but you're on the phone, not be on the phone while you're washing the dishes, just taking the time to do these things and go through the actions so that you can regroup on your own. That as a self-care practice will elevate everyone's well-being and it has elevated my well-being because I've had time to think about things that have happened like just random. You may have gotten into a disagreement with someone 
and you come home and you are just folding up your clothes and processing it, right? No TV, just you and your thoughts folding clothes. You start thinking, wow, I said that to that person. I shouldn't have said that. Or maybe I didn't even get the chance to say this. Like this also upset me or I feel like this contributed to this as well. So that's it for solo time. Number eight on our list is saying yes. I did a whole BBL on this on my Instagram. And I think saying yes is something that I'm learning how to do. And I love that I'm learning how to do it. So being open to new opportunities in itself is a form of self-care because you're creating possibilities for growth. We're told so many times to protect our space, our mental health, but sometimes saying no in cutting off yourself from certain situations and people are actually harming you, right? So by saying no, you can be denying yourself of certain opportunities. You could be isolating yourself. You could be stunning your growth or even neglecting your obligations to those around you. So think about the times you said no and what the opportunity cost was. And think about all of the times you chose to remain in your comfort zone and not pursue something new. You should regret some of those times. You should regret some of the times you said no, because I can think back to times I've said no. And I was like, I could I could have said yes, like there was no reason. So I'm definitely in my yes era. Now, if you are coming from a people pleasing situation, I, I get it. I hear you you need to be more selective with your yeses. So you should say less yeses and more noes. But overall, stop saying no so much for the rest of you. (laughs) The next time you say no, think about what the consequences are and if saying yes will benefit you in any way. Number nine is chasing my dream. So every day I do something to pursue my dream, whatever that dream is. Obviously, my dream has changed throughout the years, but I think I always have some type of guiding light. So chasing your dream is a profound act of self-care and self-fulfillment. So if you don't have a dream, get one now. (laughs) Get one now. If you don't know how to get your dream, I think starting off by thinking what younger you want it to do and then thinking about how you can relate it to your current skill set, abilities and interests. So when I decided to have a podcast, I knew that when I was younger, I've always wanted to perform in some kind of way. I like being in the limelight. Like I like preparing for things. I like presenting information. Like I like to perform. And there are so many different ways you can perform. And I think I've lived out performing in some sort of way throughout my professional career. Like as a teacher, I was performing for those kids. When I tell you I was performing I would break out into song and dance too. When I was teaching first graders, my best audience ever. So thinking about how I can incorporate it with my current skills, interest, ability. So I know that I was loving like developing myself and reading these books about self-development and creating a workout routine and things like that. So my podcast directly aligns to me wanting to perform and my interest in self-development. So think about how you can mesh your past dreams with your current reality to come up with your current dream. This is another thing I feel like I can do a full episode on because I feel like so many people are afraid to chase their dreams 
Don't be afraid. Okay. So let me know if you want me to talk more about that one. And then finally, number 10, we're getting to the superficial stuff. Going to the spa. Going to the spa is the superficial self-care we usually talk about, right? So the massages, the skincare, the beautification, but it is a very rejuvenating experience and it helps me to recharge and I feel super elevated. I feel recharged because you've had someone doing things for you, right? Pampering you, massaging you, giving you a facial, using these products on you. The tone of the spa itself is very luxurious. And if that's something you're interested in, then it feels great to be in that environment. But I think it's also the act of investing as well, right? So the the things that come with this, they aren't necessarily cheap. And when you invest in yourself, you start to think of yourself highly. And it's not only monetary investment, but also the time investment. Anytime you just spend on yourself, you immediately feel like more confident. You feel elevated because you feel like, wow, look at what I've put into myself, not only to yourself, but also to the world. So I say the spa, right? And I know that it can be expensive, but it doesn't always need to be expensive. My first spa experience was done via Groupon. And baby, I still look on Groupon because Groupon has great deals. I don't know if it's going down, if it's tanking, but Groupon is still that girl. She will give you what you need for a third of the price. So if you are wanting to experience the spa, but it's a huge investment, I still look on Groupon now. So I don't want to make it seem like "Mm, I got money. I could do whatever I want. Yes, I can afford it, but I love to save money as well. So anyways, go to Groupon. And you will be able to afford an amazing spa experience as well. And the second way you can make this more affordable as well is to bring the spa to your house. Bubble baths with with all the additives, right? You can really set up the stage for luxury. You can light a candle. You can turn on some music. You can bring some tea to the bath with you and some snacks. And you can create that experience at home because it's just the experience itself that elevates you. You could use the cheapest bubble bath ever, but it's still the experience. Taking a hot shower, using a steamer also. Once I got a facial with a steamer, I was like, I need this in my life. And I started by using a kettle, literally boiling water on my stove. The kettle would steam and I would just wash my face in front of their kind of exfoliate and go from there until I wanted to get a steamer. You can use YouTube. There are countless YouTube videos on DIY experiences. So don't feel like going to the spa is the only way you can experience the spa. So going to the spa has elevated my self-care routines and just my self-care in general because I feel amazing after I leave the spa and I want to go again. So each of these self-care practices has the potential to transform and elevate your life. And I highly, highly, highly encourage you to start incorporating these into your life. So before we go, I want to just leave you with these three things to kind of summarize the episode. In this episode, we've explored a wide range of self-care practices that go beyond the superficial, right? So we've talked about learning new things, pursuing your dreams, and all of these cover various aspects of self-improvement. The key takeaway is that self-care is a holistic approach and it should encompass physical, mental, emotional, and personal growth. 
Number two is that self-care should be accessible and personalized. So the practices I discussed are accessible to anyone. They can be tailored to fit your individual lifestyles and preferences. It doesn't need to be expensive or time consuming. So whether it's writing in a journal, assuming the best in others, or starting with the small steps towards discipline, these can be incorporated into your life in a way that fits your unique needs and circumstances. Number three is that self-care is an investment in your own well-being, and it comes in many forms. The investment itself can be monetary. It can be with your time. It can be with your mental energy, your physical energy. But overall, you are taking steps to achieve your personal and professional goals by practicing these self-care techniques. So if you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to subscribe if you haven't already rate and share with their fellow baddies. I am here to help you all on your self-improvement journey and I hope you all have a positively productive self-loving day. Bye!